0: Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless, along with my co-host Nick O'Connor and our producer Will Harden. Today we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament, give a quick update on the NBA season, and then talk about the dominance list that ESPN came out with and talk about who we think is dominant ourselves. Make sure you listen to this at one5 times speed. Hit it! Alright, so uh, obviously the NCAA tournament is underway. The Sweet 16 is starting today. This will come out on Thursday morning. Uh, But we would be remiss to start with anything besides the headline of the weekend. The first 16 seed to upset a one seed in NCAA history. Um, Unfortunately, for our sake, obviously we're, we're UVA students affiliated with the school. The team at the at the wrong end of that upset of history, is our very own Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, before we begin, I, I think we, on this podcast, cover UVA basketball about as much as any podcast does uh, throughout the course of the season, except for maybe some local Charlottesville newspapers if they have them. So we've been following this team very closely, obviously. Um, and it, it stings here, but we're, we're going to talk about the game. And let, let's start with you, Nick. Uh, what were your initial reactions from from you know this UMBC stunning upset over Virginia.
1: Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate that this is going to go in the history books, but for the wrong reason. You know, losing to a 16th seed um, is always going to be on that record. Um, you know, for Tony Bennett for the Virginia Cavaliers, um, which is so unfortunate because they had such a great season up until this point. I mean, they were utter dominance, um, and they definitely deserve that. Uh, deserve that over uh, number one overall seed um for me just the takeaways is just they came out flat um they did not seem like they wanted it um even coming out of the second half where you feel like you need to make those adjustments um and they just couldn't do so and they and they just got blown out um and i it was just it was just disappointing as a UVA fan to you know lose in the first round
0: yeah yeah i agree and i think the biggest area of concern is just what's going to be the fallout of this does anyone transfer Does Tony Bennett lose support of you know the fan base where you know he's had just uh, unrelenting support over his nine years at the school and I mean this is a a real setback of a loss uh, because you know going into the tournament that people had seen have they've seen UVA as a program that's had a couple one seeds had a two seed generally bounced out earlier than they should have been I mean you think back to. Uh, the Syracuse loss um, in the Elite Eight, of course, and then back to the uh, the one seed they had with, with Joe Harris, they lost in, in the Sweet 16 to a good Michigan State team, but generally a team that's underperformed in the tournament over their five-year run here, and that's very disappointing, but I mean, if we want to pinpoint the reasons that they lost this game, I mean, we can rank them here, but I think... First and foremost, you got to give credit to UMBC. Obviously, 16 seed isn't going to win without you know playing a really great game. And shot,
1: you know, absolutely lights out.
0: out. And for a team that you know they played good defense, they're a good defensive team at least in the two games I saw them. Because when they played Kansas State, they played really good defense. Their offense that showed up against UVA, which you know, is the best defense in the country, it was it was just there. But, I mean, if we want to continue on on the reasons, I mean, it was a storm of bad things, like DeAndre Hunter getting injured, obviously, uh, and no games to prepare for that injury. Um, just in general, I think there was a lot of panic that set in once they were losing to start the second half. After the first couple of minutes, UNBC went on a run, and UVA just kind of panicked, during in the headlights. And there was a perfect storm, I think, of all those factors combining to, you know, a shocking 20-point loss.
1: Yeah, and for me, I was... I was, I guess, a little, you know, it was interesting about the panic because we've seen in years past, even in the first rounds, where it's been close even going to halftime. It's been close even in the second half for them. I mean, we've seen that even in the first rounds versus these not-so-strong teams. Right. They um, were the
0: last one seed to not be winning at halftime when they were down by five to Coastal Carolina yeah. uh, back, I guess, five years ago. And you
1: have this, and I think that's just because of the system that they play and that it's not high-tempoed. Um, And so if a team is shooting very well, then it's tough because they have such limited possessions. And if you can't go going on offense, it just it can really break down the whole system. Um, So it wasn't, you know, as much on my part, I didn't have as much panic going into the second half. But they just came out flat and they just
0: came out nervous and they just didn't know they didn't have an answer. And and UMBC played well. I mean, that's the other factors. Obviously, UMBC probably played as well as any 16 seed has ever played. Um, I mean, I can say that fairly confidently, just, you know, by the utter dominance of that game. Um, but yeah, you know, it's hard after, like you said, the season that they've had, you know, dominating the ACC regular season, running through the ACC tournament, number one overall seed. Um, definitely looking like Tony Bennett's best chance to get to the Final Four and, and to lose in that fashion is, you know, shocking and it's disappointing, and hopefully the uh, the team can use it as motivation from here on out because I don't think there's anything else that they can do. Uh, but, all right, we're going to move on and talk about the rest of the NCAA tournament. There are still 16 teams remaining. Um, so what have been your thoughts on the tournament as a whole? And then we can shift focus into the uh, the teams that are left and who you think is going to keep moving on. Yeah, no, I
1: think what we've seen in this tournament is, you know, a bunch of high seeds entering that, um, you know, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, um, potentially, you know, with Loyola, Nevada, um, very you know, low-ranked teams. Syracuse. Getting Syracuse, of course, you know, getting in there. Um, which is just interesting, and it's you know reminds me. Um, I think a couple of years ago when it was UConn versus Kentucky, it was something similar like that where you had a bunch of high seeds kind of get into those later rounds. Um, and it's just very interesting because there's you know so there's so many possibilities that can play out. There's not very many certain games in my mind coming up. Um, you know, even Gonzaga, you know, and um, Kentucky, you know, I don't think there's those are very certain games. Even though those there's the federal matchups. Um, so it'll just be interesting to see how everything plays out
0: yeah yeah I agree I mean there has definitely been you know like you said Loyola's had a couple buzzer beater wins to get them in there and you have a really peculiar 11 versus 7 matchup uh, in the south part of that of the south in that part of the south region where you have Nevada against Loyola but what's caught my eye is there's two teams that are been that have been absolutely dominant and as a basketball fan, maybe not as a UVA fan, but as a basketball fan, you definitely want to see these two teams play each other in the Final Four, and those two teams are Villanova and Duke. Um, obviously, you know, they haven't played elite competition, played a really low, you know, really bad 15-16 seed in Round 1, and then Villanova played Alabama and Duke played Rhode Island, who both of them absolutely crushed. But now they're Duke gets Syracuse, but now they're going to start playing a little bit better teams. But in your opinion, is there any way that these two teams do not face each other in the Final Four?
1: Um I think the only maybe other team that if they can catch fire um they have the talent is Michigan in my mind. But that's the
0: other side of the that's bracket. That's the other side of
1: the bracket but coming in. Um but you know besides that I, I just think Villanova I think I think Alabama was a very strong they were 9 seed, right? They were yeah. A 9 seed coming in. I thought they were a very strong 9 seed with Sexton and and that dominance over um Alabama Kind of was really remarkable and kind of showed how you know structured they are as a team. Um, so I just can't really see them not being in the finals.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Well, I think Duke is uh, obviously Duke versus Villanova is going to be. Those are the two best teams in college mm-hmm. basketball that are still remaining. I would fight you and say if DeAndre Hunter was healthy, Virginia would be in that <laughs> would be in that category. But obviously, that's not going to be the case in this tournament. But at this point, I think it's even for Duke against Kansas, which looks like a matchup we'd see in the Elite Eight. It's hard for me to believe that Duke isn't the one coming out of that. So I really do think Villanova and Duke are going to be playing, and the winner of that game is definitely going to be the team that's favored by a lot in the championship game. Why is it in your mind that so many, I feel like,
1: fans and analysts don't believe in Kansas, even though they achieved that regular season mark?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I I mean, I think there's something to the fact they're just not quite as talented as a Duke team and, and a Villanova team. I mean, you look at Duke, and this is obviously the most talented team they have been all season long, and it looks like, you know, they're going on one of those Duke runs where they're able to put it all together at the end of the season. Um, And, you know, Kansas, I mean, even against Clemson, who they play um, on Friday, people are a little bit shaky on them. They do have a great player in Devontae Graham. Um, They're a big 12 team, but I I don't know. I, I just think that Duke and Villanova, at least in their performance to this point, have put themselves in a different category. I mean, Kansas went... A relatively close game down to the wire with Seton Hall, who's not a terrible team, but, you know, definitely not dominating to the level of a, of a Duke or Villanova, um, you know, at this point. And I think, you know, we'll see if Duke ends up playing Kansas. Duke will be a really big favorite in that game. Yeah, what is in your mind
1: coming up this Thursday and Friday? Your, uh, you know, your favorite matchup, or you think the one that's gonna be the most interesting watch?
0: Yeah, I think the best Sweet Sixteen game is Texas A and M and Michigan. A uh, and M obviously blew out North Carolina in Charlotte um, when they played in the Round of Thirty Two, and Michigan escaped against Houston um, on a buzzer beater uh, to win that game by one point. But I do think that A&M is an extremely talented team. They got up to the top five early on in the season, fell back a little bit. But maybe they're starting to put those things together right now. And if they're able to, if they're able to play like they did against uh, North Carolina, there's no reason that this team can't represent that region. Uh, with Xavier out now, it's looking like Gonzaga, most likely beating Florida State there. There's no reason that Texas A&M, if they are able to continue on that hot streak, can make it easily to the Final Four, maybe even you know to the championship game. So, But I think that game... Of all eight of the Sweet Sixteen matchups, is by far the most intriguing. What about you? Yeah, no, I think you
1: mentioned you know said it very well with Texas A and feel like they're kind of the opposite of UVA in the sense that they struggled in the season. I believe they had a couple main injuries from their best players uh, for Texas A and M, which is why they fell out of those top rankings. I don't know. Well, um,
0: is that did they have injuries? I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they had one
1: or two pretty big injuries. Okay, I, I, say, I which think is they're why they fell out of that top.
0: Yeah, they're because they were
1: preseason like top ten or something. They're, they they're they really got high. up
0: really high yeah. early. I think they just have young talented guys, but I don't really. Okay. Know. I don't watch a ton of SEC basketball, but all I know is you know I'm you know thinking UNC is going to come out and and win this game in Charlotte, and all you know A and M blitzes them and beats them by twenty one points. I mean. So to me, I'm, I'm impressed by them. No, very impressive, for sure. I was just saying, you know, the opposite of
1: UVA. UConn, a team had a whole year, you know, all year long and then fell apart at the end. So Texas A&M seems to, you know, really be playing, um, you know, lights out, you know, to beat, you know, a UNC, a very strong UNC team in my mind um, by 20. Um, I thought that UNC team had a chance to go on to at least the Final Four um, if they got past that round. But that was just, I mean, that was just a, a very good matchup. Um, But for me, I think a very interesting matchup will be the Loyola-Nevada. Yeah, I'm That's my favorite. I think Loyola... um, First one on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. First one on Thursday. I think we'll get a treat there. Um, You know, Loyola's just had some very, very exciting games. And, you know, I hope this
0: one is nothing less... Um, Nevada, too. Big yep. comebacks in both halves against Will's Texas team, and uh, down by, what was it, 22 points with 13 minutes left against Cincinnati to yeah. win that game. So no, yeah. These two
1: teams are really defined what March Madness is about, right? The buzzer beaters, you know, like the late games. The comebacks. The comebacks, all this. Um, this is what you look for in March Madness, so that's the matchup I'm really excited about.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on, on those as two of my favorites. Um, I don't think... That the the side of the bracket with Villanova and Duke on it, those four games, um, just to refresh, Villanova's playing West Virginia. A lot on paper seems like a really good game. I'm not worried for Villanova in that one. Great matchup, though, between Jalen Brunson and Javon Carter, the two point guards for those teams, two of the best in the country. Um, Texas Tech Purdue. Is about as soft as a two three <laughs> matchup I can imagine, yeah. uh, in there. And then you have Kansas against Clemson and Duke Syracuse. Those I mean, just are If, aren't if Purdue had Haas, I think that would be a good matchup. I mean, they're very soft. If they team. had Haas, I'd like yeah. that Elite A matchup with Villanova. And yeah. who knows, he might come back. They put the Purdue engineers on it. It's a good engineering school. Why <laughs> why not do that? But but no, I mean to me, I'm, I really like this A and M uh, Michigan game, and I would hope that at Gonzaga can win their game, so that whoever wins the A Michigan game gets to play Gonzaga, because that would probably be my my favorite game in the Elite Eight as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. All right, so let's go through. We'll get all three of us in here. Let's uh, let's just pick our our final fours real quick. Uh, Will, we'll start with you. Um, <clears throat> I got Kansas, Gonzaga, Kentucky, and West Virginia. Wow! After all we just said. <laughs> That's who, that's who you have. I'm going to go, and for me, um, you said Kentucky, right? Yes. Yeah, I, for all that's happened in that region, um, I don't think Kentucky's <laughs> going to make it. I'm going to go with Loyola, <laughs> Texas A&M, Villanova, and Duke.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I like the Loyola pick. I'm, I'm going to stick with Loyola. I They look good. Um, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to go with... I think Michigan's gonna pull it off. In my mind, uh, I think they're a strong team. I think they're gonna beat Texas A and um, I see Villanova coming in from up top, um, and I think Kansas. I mean, they. I think they proved it their consistency, you know, throughout the season. Um, I think they're gonna show up, um, despite with a lot of people say that they're, a, you know, a very weak high seed. But um, those are my final four matchups.
0: All right, who do you think's gonna win? We're, we've cut it down from sixty four to sixty eight to sixteen. So you got a lot you got a much smaller pool to choose from who's going to win Yeah I think it's
1: not obviously but I I think the favorite just you know with Villanova um I think they're just too talented um they got the great coaching um and they're just playing extremely well right now which is what you need in March Madness
0: Yeah uh I well we'll, we'll swing it to you I mean for all that's happening in the south region I want to say Kentucky but I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to hold off on that one and I like West Virginia Wow Ooh. that's that okay. I would be absolutely you of course you love your big 12 I'd be absolutely <laughs> shocked if that happened I'm going to say uh, Sports championships in 2018 stay in Philadelphia. I think Villanova wins uh, their second in three years. Yeah, I like the Kentucky pick though. I mean, we've seen Kentucky right be a lower
1: seed um, and 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 find it and 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 figure out what they're made of um, during the you know March Madness bracket. But, but. but here's the
0: thing: have they figured it out or have they played nothing? I mean, they they played uh, 12 seed Davidson, which was a tight game. Mm-hmm. They played 13 seed Buffalo, who upset Arizona, which was a somewhat tight game at, at a point in the second half and now of course you know Virginia's been knocked out so they get Kansas State who just does not look like a strong nine seed but I mean they beat Creighton they beat UMBC so there they are and then in the, the elite eight they're going to be playing a seven or 11 seed to me I don't know if I'd characterize it as Kentucky's figured it out I think I'd characterize <laughs> it as they've been able to avoid the upset that these other top teams but regardless have they not. figured
1: it out or not they have the talent they have the talent. They
0: don't have Duke or Villanova talent. Not, not, And they may not level. even have Texas A&M talent. They have
1: the level of talent to get easily... Not easily, but
0: I think be the favorites to get to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. And then to win... I mean, to get to the finals is possible.
1: I think you could possibly see them.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I like whoever comes out of the uh, the West region to to go to the finals against Duke or Villanova. Probably Villanova in my in my mind. But all right, so we got some varying opinions there. All right, now we're going to shift and talk about the uh, NBA season coming down to the stretch run. A couple of very tight races uh, you have in the Eastern Conference. You have only four games separating the three seed Cleveland Cavaliers from the eight seed Milwaukee Bucks. And in the Western Conference, you have. A I don't know what the best way to put this, but you have um, six games separating the three-seed Portland Trailblazers or six and a half games from the 10-seed LA Clippers. So a lot of congestion there, especially for seeding between the four and eight seeds in the West. You only have two games of separation. So, these NBA regular season games, they are going to matter down the stretch. Uh, I don't know what what you're looking at uh, in terms of these playoff races. And then we can talk about, you know, obviously the headlining teams um, who aren't in these races, but are probably, you know, competitive to win the final. So, what are your thoughts about these playoff races?
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, in in both the Western Conference and Eastern Conference, right, you have two top dominant teams, at least in the regular season. You know, Toronto and Boston have, you know, proved it. Um, You know, despite injuries with Boston, they've been able to win. Um, And and, and they do definitely seem to be, in my mind, um, two of the favorites to get to the finals. I don't think Cleveland is as dominant or, you know, is as favorable as a lot of people like to say. Um, In my mind, I just don't know if they have it all this year. It's gonna be a lot of pressure on LeBron. Um, he just doesn't have another guy like Kyrie or another guy like Wade like he's had in the past. Kevin Love, um, like Kevin Love, you know he's, he's back. So. He's back, but he doesn't play like at that elite <laughs> level consistency, uh, consistently, and he can't be that guy they're going to give like, oh, give, you can give him the ball and he's going to go score for you. Um, You just don't have that with Kevin Love, and I think that's what you've had with other guys. And when LeBron, you know, he sometimes cannot, you know, have a stellar game, you know, first through fourth quarter. Um, And so when he doesn't perform like that, um, he usually has needed to rely on a Kyrie to make a big shot, or a Ray Allen or another big star player to make a big shot. Um, But it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that works out. I don't think they've found all their chemistry yet. Uh, But going to the Western Conference... Um, I think a very very um, interesting team is the Spurs because they f- actually fell out of the playoff race. I believe they're a nine seed uh, like a couple uh, like a week ago, um, and so they've been starting to play you know well uh, you know recently um, you know a four game win streak. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they can do. Um, I think the favorites right now in the West are the Houston Rockets. I mean they've just been playing. Um, extraordinarily well, um, they just seem to have it at all fastest of the game, um, and they're up, you know, upbeat tempo, the three-point style um, seems to be the style that's winning right now. Um, but I think you know, in the West, you're going to see Houston and Golden State. They're obviously the two most talented teams by far. Um, and then in the East, I I, I think it's going to be the Celtics and the and the Cavs if that's possible. But I guess if they're the two three seed. Well, then, the
0: Cavs could drop. Yeah, to the it four. depends how
1: the seeding works out. Um, I think the two most talented teams, when all healthy, are the Celtics. Um, In the Cavs, but we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the Raptors are obviously having, uh, you know, extraordinarily well um, regular season, Um, so we'll see if they can prove it. I mean, the game right now um, will be interesting to see the final with uh, the Raptors and Cavs.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you hit on a lot of the uh, key things there. I I think talking about the seating, I think it'll be. um, It's interesting that you have these real fights for seating, and what really jumps off the page to me is that Portland is sitting there um, a clean two games ahead of OKC um, as the three-seed in the West. That's very surprising, obviously, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are playing very very well right now um, and they've kind of figured that out Um, but it'd be interesting to see they'd be matched up with Golden State in the second round not that they would beat Golden State um, because I think Golden State has played them in the playoffs before and I think they've handled them pretty easily but you know those are guards that are going to give Curry and Clay Thompson assuming they're back healthy a run for their money and that is the big thing for the Warriors is are they going to be back healthy By the time the playoffs come around, all indications point to yes. Um, But shifting to the Eastern Conference, again, you have a lot of congestion for those seeds. I think it's going to be very important for teams that want to make it to the conference finals, whether it be the Wizards, the 76ers, uh, the Celtics, to avoid the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because I still think LeBron James and the Cavs are going to be the the team to beat in the East Mm -hmm. and ultimately make it out of there. So if you're the Wizards and you can get a 4 or 5 seed and Cleveland stays at 3, you're in good shape because I think they would be okay with playing a Pacers in the first round and then facing a a Raptors in the second round, even going on the road and making that, you know, they've swept the Raptors in the playoffs before. It's a decent matchup for them. Um, So I think that'll be interesting to see who can avoid Cleveland. But of course, going back to the main point here, I'm a little bit surprised by you saying that the Rockets are the favorite in the West. It's hard for me to believe that when Curry, Durant, and Clay Thompson all get back healthy and then along with Draymond, who's, who's healthy right now, that that team is clearly the team to beat in the entire NBA. It is going to take so much for them to be dethroned, in my opinion. I don't know what you're seeing in the Rockets that makes you think that, even with home court advantage, they should be favored over the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, for me with
1: the Rockets, it's that they have, ev- not everyone on the team can shoot, but they play such a good style where it's pick and roll with James Harden and Clint Capella or whoever's in the center Um It's literally just a pick and roll and then a pick and pop for a three. I mean, they have such an efficient system where everyone around him can shoot the three ball so well. Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon. I mean, you have so many players that just shoot the three ball so well and they seem to be um you know over at least you know a 10 game stretch you know they go like 8 and 2 9 and 1 they can do it so consistently um which is just it's impressive for me um and i think they're going to create some offensive um you know matchups that will be in their favor um it will just i think we'll come down to is you know how hard a defense can james harden play in the playoffs
0: yeah i mean you really think that though, that they can win 4 games in 2 weeks against kevin durant Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green with Steve. I, to me, it's just so hard to believe. Think about Mike D'Antoni. Even let's say they got matched up with the Spurs in the either the first round or the second round. Because at this point, it's conceivable the Spurs drop to eight or climb up to four or five. I mean, Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Leonard could be back. Popovich has dominated D'Antoni in the playoffs, going back to the the Phoenix days for Mike D'Antoni. Like I would be more worried about the Rockets getting to the conference finals then <laughs> winning the conference finals. I To me, I don't have as much faith in D'Antoni and Harden who have, and Chris Paul, too, who have a, a pretty big uh, lack of postseason success against, you know, call it the Spurs or then, of course, the Warriors who have, you know, multiple titles and, and just multiple players that are, you know, better than, you know, the Rockets players.
1: Yeah, for me, I, I've just been fortunate enough to watch a couple games this season um, for the Rockets, and it's, you know, in these big matchups, and it's like you know, they'll be playing the you know, the Trailblazers who were on a nine game win streak last night. And they On the will, road. On the road and I mean and they will just be able to get this win. And it's James Harden um, stepping up. You know, he's had to hit forty five points last night, forty two points like something yeah, like that. A lot of points. Last night, a lot of points last night. Being able to step up and just hit those big shots. Um and know again, we haven't seen that in the playoffs with him and Chris Paul, um, two guys that have notoriously not gone far in the playoffs. Um, so for them, it'll just be getting over that hump. Um, if they're able to get to the Western conference finals, um, I I think that'll be huge for them. Um, I, I, I do, I do like your point in the sense that there's going to be a lot of first round matchups that are going to be tough in second round matchups. Um, I think in the Western conference and in the Eastern conference, um, I think, you know, finally we're going to have, you know, you know, series that aren't just sweeps or four ones, um, in the Eastern conference. I think you have Milwaukee bucks and heat Um, two very solid teams. Not you know, not great teams, but you know, teams that can get at least a couple games.
0: Yeah, yeah, I well to echo off that, I mean would you be totally shocked? I mean I'd be totally shocked if the Rockets or Warriors lost in the first round, but would you be totally shocked if the Bucks or and the Heat knocked off the Celtics or Raptors? Like that wouldn't be the most shocking thing. Like I think in the Eastern Conference that is very plausible that you could have some of these lower seeds taking series from the higher seeds. Uh, I just think the only team that's going to be able to stay away from that that I feel confident in is Cleveland. Um, But no, I mean... just would you would you be absolutely shocked if one of the Heat or the Bucks were able to take out the Raptors or Celtics? I'd be surprised if they're able to take out the Celtics just because
1: I think the Celtics. Kyrie's banged up though. You
0: don't know he's, what his deal is.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if he's healthy for the playoffs, um, you know, potentially, you know, if we get Gordon Hayward coming back, I don't, I haven't heard any news on that recently. Um, but for me, as Brad Stevens being the coach, I just can't see them losing to a team that's that's just you know, it, again, it depend on injuries, but a team that's you know, just less talented. Um, so for me, it's not the Celtics. I think it's the Raptors that you could be worried about. um you know what I mean, it just all it just takes this for a Giniszan Kumbo or a Goran Drogic, or Hassan Whiteside to get hot, and they have solid teams around that and great coaching,
0: yeah, yeah, I think the uh, first round in the east will be interesting. The only downside to that is, you know, that those interesting series is not going to have any impact on who ultimately wins the finals because we know it is most likely going to be whoever comes out of that Rockets Rockets and Warriors, uh, presumably Western Conference Finals. All right, now we're going to move on into our last topic tonight, and we're going to talk about the dominance athlete, the dominant athletes list. ESPN came out with it the other day, listed the most uh, the twenty most dominant athletes I think in the last twenty years. Uh, a little couple surprises there. We can talk about their list um, at first, and then we can talk about, you know, the big difference between individual athletes versus team athletes. Um, but what were some of your initial takeaways from this list? Pretty interesting idea. Um, you know, ESPN, maybe it's a slow period, no March Madness, no baseball, you know, came out with this. What were your thoughts on the list? Yeah, well, we were able to find out the dominance rating, how they got that because will. they came out with this dominance rating
1: um and it was just an interesting score i was wondering if you figured it out
0: yeah did you figure out what the metric was will no they didn't have anything that was describing, um, describing the, metric. the metric yeah so
1: that is you know you know dominance and what was tiger woods rating. who came in number so one like 17 it was like 17 or whatever it was um 17. so i'm not quite sure exactly how they calculate that if it was actually they just someone just threw out a random score you know actually someone <laughs> put it in the equation i'm not sure Um, But I think the number one thing that popped out, and I think we agreed on this, was Serena Williams being that low. Um, And we talk about a person
0: who has just absolutely dominated the sport. She might have been my... If you just asked me... I thought she was at least top two. At least top two. I mean, if you had asked me... Who is the most dominant athlete over the last twenty years? I think she is probably the first person to come to mind.
1: Mm-hmm. And like the second most, I mean, you have like Venus Williams, you know, winning championships. But outside Venus Williams, like the other top person that's won championships is like three or four championships. Yeah, and Serena and was it. down
0: at twelve, which yeah. is shocking. there's just
1: so much inconsistency in women's tennis outside of Serena Williams. When she's not playing, it's literally just you know it's up for grabs who who you know who wants it. When Serena Williams is playing, she's the fa- she's I can't remember the last time she's not been a favorite when healthy um, you know, not when to not win a championship pregnant, when yeah. not pregnant, not to win a championship. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be at least a good 10, 12 years. Um, I mean, that just shows the true dominance, but I thought another people, another person does to be uh, farther, I a little bit farther up was Michael Phelps. I mean, I think just, you know, watching him in the Olympics, um, you know, just his historic gold medal count. Um, I thought just, you know, watching it as a U.S. fan, I thought that was just extremely impressive.
0: Yeah. I know that was one that people were questioning. I don't even think Michael Phelps made the list, which was surprising to me. I don't Think I don't think I would classify him as like a top five all time like dominant guy. I think he would make the list because of but you know the sport he he plays um, is very you know it's very different than you know maybe some of these other ones. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, some of these team athletes. So LeBron James was the number one team athlete. Uh, at number two, and then you had Peyton Manning at number three over Tom Brady, who was the next football player at number twenty. Um, pretty interesting there. Now I want to talk about LeBron, who was number two on the list. And personally, you know, obvi- in a team sport, there's obviously, it's a lot harder to have that impact on the game. But for me, LeBron as number two on this list, playing in a team sport, I think it's spot on. I, I think LeBron has such a large impact on an NBA game, on the team that he's on that it's a fitting spot for him to be ahead of you know, these athletes that play by themselves. And you see all the, the solo athletes on there, the Floyd Mayweathers, the tennis athletes. But LeBron at number two, I think that just speaks to how imposing and great he has been. Um, and, I, and I truly think that's a deserved spot. What were your thoughts? I think it's
1: a very much a U.S. view. Um, I think you go to other countries and you ask who's the most dominant athlete. They're probably not going to say LeBron. Would they say Messi though? I mean, I think it's no. Not that they would just say Messi. I'm just I, I
0: think Messi is a very impressive. I think guy it's too. people
1: who can compete on a worldwide stage and, and win consistently. Consistently, I think a lot of people would put Roger Federer up there in the top three. Um, in terms of dominance, or Nadal, you know, if he's just right behind there. Um, I just, I, th- I think it's it's from American view. I mean, he's three and five. He's three and five in championships. I mean, that's. The mark that worries me the most is that you can't be the second most, you know, dominant athlete and be a loser in, in, in terms of winning championships.
0: Yeah, I, I just think that his impact, even on a team sport, is so large. You take any, basically any team in the NBA, stick LeBron on that team, and the improvement would be so drastic that, you know, he he's up there. Another interesting thing uh, was Peyton Manning. We're talking about team athletes now. Peyton Manning was number three. Tom Brady was number 20. Um, and I, I honestly think that's fair. I think there's an argument to be made that Tom Brady, is, and obviously Tom Brady is a fantastic quarterback, but can you make the argument that Tom Brady playing on the same team with the same coach, same franchise for all these years versus Peyton Manning, who went from Colts was there. They were great. He left. They, they were terrible for a year. He went to Denver. They were great. He left. They were terrible. That Peyton Manning has has been able to you know, take his game and prove that it's not the system and that it's Peyton Manning is the system, and to me, I think that was another good, good move by them. Yeah, I think I can see our,
1: our, our, our differing views, and in the sense that you don't value winning championships as much as individual stats. But and it's it, a team.
0: It, but it's a team sport, so I mean, I'm not gonna. Dock... No, but the whole
1: thing is Peyton Manning has one real championship. He has one real one. He did not win that second one. He did not continue. Yeah, Tom
0: Brady didn't win his first one, but.
1: I, okay, but he's won the next four after. So yeah. I mean, the whole thing is that like you, you just can't. You know,
0: expect, you know, Peyton Manning to be a top two dominant athlete in my mind. And this, But, Tom, but Tom Brady's coaches, and we can bring this back to LeBron, is his competitions, coaches, and teams have been simply better than the supporting cast that that he's had. Same thing goes for Peyton Manning is that his coach and supporting cast has never matched that of Tom Brady on a consistent basis. And the one time it did, old and, and injured as he was, he was still able to win a Super Bowl his last year in Denver.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, again, it's just... He hasn't won and he ha- you need to win consistently. I don't know. I know, yeah, you can bring the coach in, you can bring his team around him. I mean, you can always bring that excuse and you can bring that excuse for LeBron as well. Um, but for me, um, you know, greatness is defined by winning. Um, and, you know, why I have, you know, number one Michael Jordan all time in NBA and all I will always will is because he's 6 0 in championships. And, to, you know, it's just so hard to have that mark, um, you know, regardless of the team, regardless of the coach. Um, for me, it's winning championships.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but I think in a team sport, that's something that, you know, it's hard to pin on one guy. Uh, talk about baseball. I mean, Trout, Mike Trout and Barry Bonds are both on there. Obviously, the two best baseball players um, in the last 20 years. Barry Bonds, you have a different argument based on whether he took steroids or not, but those are good good moves there. I mean, I think Barry Bonds, from a from a imposing standpoint, of course, now he never won a championship either, but from a standpoint of when he came to the plate the level of dominance and impact he had, would you pitch to him? If you did pitch to him, you are probably could be giving up a home run back in his heyday. I think he could have even been higher on that list, too.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Barry Bond for me. It's just he took steroids, and I don't think he deserves to be (laughs) on that list. That's just my thing. He cheated, so he doesn't deserve this. Um, But for me, I like the Trout. Um, I was actually, I like the trout. I was surprised he was actually on that list. I don't know. He wasn't like a player on my mind that I would have thought is to be the most dominant athlete. But when you think about it in today's MLB, um, he's without a doubt, in my mind, the most valuable player. And I think just in terms of, you know, He's been just so dominant, um, you know, ever since he came to the league, um, and he's done that consistently, um, and you just don't really, haven't seen that from a whole lot of MLB players, Um, and he also has that just pure athleticism as well.
0: Right, but his team doesn't win either. Yeah, but again,
1: it's, you know, MLB, there's so many pieces, so I mean, I mean, you know, I think with, you know, basketball, it's a completely different sport. It's five players starting, um, you know, in, in, in baseball and in football, it's completely different.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. All right, uh, kind of an interesting uh, topic by ESPN to put out there um, where they have a little bit of discussion there. Uh, but that will wrap it up for us this week. Next week, the MLB season starts, so we're going to come at you with some predictions and a little preview of what we're looking out for there, and then we'll be back with uh, Final Four coming up next, uh, going into next weekend too. Yes, sir, I'm looking forward to it. All right.